Is there anything worse than sitting in class in front of someone who has a small piece of wrapped candy? Because it seems like they unwrap that candy at the slowest possible speed. They're trying to be nice about it, right? They don't want anyone else in class to know that they have a piece of wrapped candy. Some of you are putting away your wrapped candy right now for the sermon. But you're sitting in front of them and it's just, you can hear it. You can hear each roll of the wrapper as they open it. And you're thinking to yourself, hey, it would be a lot shorter disruption if you just opened it really fast. But they just slowly unwrap it. Everybody in class knows what? Someone's got a piece of candy. It's not sneakily being done, and they think they're not making a disruption, but in reality, they're actually disrupting the class. I don't know about you, but disruptions aren't always the funnest thing. We don't plan for them. We don't want them. But oftentimes, what? They happen. This morning, I have a very simple question for us. How has Jesus disrupted your life? How has Jesus disrupted your life? You might think to yourself, well, what do you, we shouldn't think of Jesus as a disruption. Well, think of the dash, definition of disrupt for a second. According to Merriam-Webster, the definition of disruption is to cause something to be unable to continue in a normal way. To cause something to be unable to continue in a normal way. So how has Jesus caused something in your life to be unable to continue in a normal way? All of us this morning should be able to give at least one. I would hope we'd be able to give multitude of things. How Jesus has disrupted our lives. Why should we say that Jesus has disrupted our lives? Well, that's where we go to the story in Luke chapter 8 this morning. That when we truly understand the story in Luke chapter 8, we come to a realization very quickly that Jesus is a disruptor. That there's no way to be around Jesus and not have something happen to not either be angry or to not either be just really jubilant and excited because of who Jesus is. So we turn to the story in Luke chapter 8, and this story in Luke chapter 8 is, is just so unfamiliar to all of us. It's foreign to us. It's like nothing we've experienced because it's about demons. It's about someone running around naked with shackles around their arms and their legs. How many of you have seen that in the last week? So what I thought we should do to kind of set the stage is jump into the imagination station a little bit to remind us of what this is like. So what I'd like you to do is kind of in the two rows that you're in, kind of with 10 people, here's what I need you to do. So take the row in front of you or whatever. I need you to pick the craziest person in kind of the 10 people that's around you, okay? So, so if, you think, if you know that you yourself are crazy, just say, hey, I'll be the crazy person. So right now, identify the crazy person. Identify the crazy person. Raise your hand if you're the identified crazy person. We've got a couple and I'm agreeing with some of them. All right, we need a crazy per. Come on, folks. Nobody goes home until we've got crazy people in each row. We've got another one. Another one. We need some more crazy people. Zach, you're, not, you're looking, right? Keep that hand up. You can hold the baby with one hand. All right, crazy people. All right, so we got our crazy people identified. Now, now about half of you that are sitting around them, you're townspeople, okay? You're just everyday carpenters, bankers, teachers. You're just townspeople. You've got the easy job, okay? The other half of you around them, you're herdsmen. You're in charge of a herd of pigs, okay? 
Let's keep track. I want to show you, though, how you herd pigs, okay? It's kind of like this. You keep them like this. So let's practice. Herdsman. Who's the herdsman with me? Half the herdsman. Half. Raise your hand if you're a herdsman. Raise your hand if you're a herdsman. Okay, now let's practice. You got to keep. They didn't have pens. They did not have pens. Practice. Everybody up if you're a herdsman. If you're a herdsman, keep the pigs. Okay. All right, so you got your pigs in line. Now, now if you're a townspeople, if you're townspeople, just sit like a normal King of Glory member. Okay, now if you're the crazy person, if you're the crazy person, you've got both arms in shackles and one leg in shackle. So get your arms in shackle. Crazy people, one leg in shackle. Now, now practice with me being crazy. Okay, now, now, now. You're the crazy person. You're the crazy person. Jesus has just arrived. Now, when Jesus arrived, remember, the demons knew who Jesus was, so they really got crazy. And they started to scream things. Now, it says in there that the crazy person was naked. Leave your clothes on. Okay. Okay? Leave your clothes on. And, and townspeople and herdsmen don't even imagine that they're naked. Just leave that completely out, okay? Okay, the crazy people, arms in shackles, one arm in this. Now Jesus is pulling up, right? Oh, crazy man is here. Jesus is here. Jesus, who are you? You are a crazy religious rabbi. Crazy, crazy people, you're not being crazy enough. I feel like I'm the only one up here doing anything, okay? Okay, now, now it gets to the point in the story. Now imagine, imagine for just a second, crazy people, where's my crazy people? You don't just take the shackles off when you want to. You've had these shackles for 10 or 15, maybe 20. Get your hands out. You've got shackles on. And you can't be sitting still. You've got, do you know how many demons that you have in you? Your name is Legion. That means you might have 6,000 demons in you. Okay, that means at least some nerve in your body is shaking right now. Crazy people. Come on. Crazy people should be at least moving on. 15 years. Can you imagine? Crazy people. How many of you are going to be sore after 15 seconds? Can you imagine 15 years in shackles? Now, townspeople, can you imagine having to put up with this person for 15 years? How many of you are like, yeah, that'd be great for a neighbor? Love it. Okay, so then Jesus shows up you got this crazy person, and Jesus says what? Hey, uh, demons, you're gone. Now, what the demons say next is, crazy people, the demons aren't gone yet. Get your, hand, gee, get your hands up. Uh, so what happens next is the demons say, hey, hey, don't throw us into the abyss. Now, this word abyss, this is an important word because the abyss means bottomless pit of suffering. Hmm, I wonder how the demons know about a bottomless pit of suffering. How do they know of this place? And why don't they want to go there? Because they know of the magnitude of the pain that will come. And so they specifically say to Jesus, Jesus, don't send us there. Now, this gives us a very big inclination into the person and the authority of Jesus Christ. They say, don't send us to this bottomless pit. And they say that to him, why? Because he, they know he's the one who can send them there. 
It's not just, hey, don't make us leave this man. It's, oh no, the Son of the Most High God is here and He can send us into the abyss. It's a profound statement that they're making about who Jesus is and the authority that He has. Crazy people, come on, back at it. Now, we're done with the sermon part there. Okay, so now Jesus says, okay, deal. I'll send you into the pigs. Herdsmen, stand up. Herdsmen, okay. Jesus says, yeah, you keep your pigs. Your pigs are running all over. Jesus says, hey, you can go into the pigs. Now, herdsmen, you just lost your whole herd. They're gone. You've had this herd. You've been growing this herd. Some of you look way too happy. You just lost. You just lost. You just lost your economic Well, You're no longer a crazy person. The demons are gone. Okay. Maybe see me after the service if we still have issues. Okay, herdsmen, you just lost a herd of pigs. Not just, oh, we got to go find them tonight somewhere. They escaped. No, no. They're gone. They've drowned. Okay, how many of you would kind of freak out a little bit if you woke up tomorrow and went online and checked your bank account and it was at zero? Okay, some of, how many of you would probably make a phone call? Okay, something weird is going on, right? You, there would, the rest of the day, you'd not be like, ah, I'll deal with that on Wednesday. No. There would, your blood pressure would be rising. You just lost your whole livelihood. Now, herdsmen, you like this guy named Jesus that just got off the boat? Okay, uh, no thing. Hey, could you get back on the boat, maybe? and go back to the other side. Now the herdsmen run to town, right? Makes sense. They just lost everything. They run to town, and they bring out the townspeople. The townspeople come out. Oh, what's going on? Townspeople, come on, just normal. What's going on? We're coming out to see the crazy guy again. Townspeople, you get out there, and look at the crazy people. They're no longer crazy. What do you do when the Vikings score a touchdown? Whoa! Huge surprise, right? Thing. Now, now, I know that's a big surprise, but multiply that by 10. The guy that has been naked, running around, sometimes breaking off of the chains that you've been protecting your children from, is now what? Normal. <laughs> what, what are you thinking of this, of this guy named Jesus? You're thinking, wow. But what's interesting, because my first thought is, wow, he did something a lot of us wish had been done. But actually, their response is a little bit different. Their response is one of, oh man, who is this man? What? what oh, I, I'm scared of this man. They're scared. The, the Bible text says they have fear. Now, they're afraid. Why? Because they've seen the power and the authority of these demons for how many ever years before. And they cannot believe that there's someone that has more power and authority. They've seen what the demons are able to do. So now what are they thinking about this man that just got off the boat? Oh, wow. If, if he can do that, what, what's he going to do to us? If he has control over those 6,000 or how many ever demons... Well, he's going to know how I treat my neighbor. He's, he's going to know maybe my unethical banking practices. 
oh, no, oh man, he's, he's going to know the thoughts that are going on in my head towards my neighbor. Oh, we, we don't want him around. Right? We don't want the guy around that can, can make everything known and, and has complete power and authority. Everybody likes power and authority, right? When you're in control of power and authority. Power and authority is a great thing, right? When it's manageable. Nobody likes what? Power and authority that you have no say over at all. And now the townspeople and the herdsmen are going, <laughs> okay, we have no control over this man. He's got to go. So what do they do? They ask him to leave. Do you realize what they just did? They asked Jesus, the Son of God, to leave their town. This isn't the Jesus that I know. This isn't the cuddly Jesus that I grew up learning about that everybody loves, everybody accepts, and that Jesus just walks in and is loved anywhere and everywhere. No, no. This Jesus is being asked to leave. Why? Because they've recognized his universal power and authority that's been exhibited over the demonic powers. They realize that this man who got off the boat is going to disrupt their lives. And so they ask him to leave. Is the Jesus that you're following one that a town has kicked out? Or is the Jesus that you're following one that you have complete control of and ordered in a nice little box? If Jesus has never disrupted your life, you're not following Jesus. You're following a self-made religious character because Jesus disrupts lives. We could go to numerous example after example. It's not just the townspeople and the herdsmen's lives that he disrupts. He also disrupts the temple because who else asks Jesus to leave? The religious leaders. <laughs> Multiple times they're like, oh boy, who let him back in to say something? We got to have him go. So it's not just like these evil, non-religious people that are like, oh, get rid of this godly guy. No, 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 no. It's the religious people also multiple times that say, okay, we got to get rid of this Jesus. And ultimately, it's the religious people that what? Say, we can't keep him out, so we got to kill him. It wasn't the Roman government that had the idea to kill Jesus. It was the religious leaders that went to the Roman government and said, hey, could you do us a favor and get rid of this guy? He's causing a little bit of turmoil, which is going to cause turmoil for you. So what do they do? Kick him out, ultimately, to kill him. Jesus has universal power and authority, and nobody likes it. Nobody likes it except who? How are you crazy people doing? Feeling pretty good, aren't you? Got a little sweat coming down on some of you, but you look like you're coming back here. I mean, the people that are no longer crazy... <laughs> It'd be kind of nice if Jesus stayed around a little bit, wouldn't it? I mean, they loved, the crazy person loves Jesus, says, hey, Jesus, can you stay? Why? Because Jesus made them human again. This person wasn't even a human before. This person was controlled by something completely different. Don't miss this in the story. Jesus asks, hey, what's your name? The person doesn't even have a name. He says legion. Legion is just a declaration, a proper term for a big group of army or of, of a force. 
This person didn't even have a name. That's how, that's how worthless they were seen in the community. And the person identifies themselves by what? By that which controls them. But what does Jesus do? Jesus frees them and says, hey, go tell others what I have done for you. Can you imagine the testimony that this man now has? That to go out and declare, he's now declaring what? A pretty cool disruption in his life. He's saying, hey, uh, my, we don't get his name now, but he's not saying legion anymore. Why? Because there's no longer a legion. He's been freed. He's no longer identified by that which is holding him captive. But now he's been given what? Right thinking, a clear mind. He's now a human again. That person's going to love Jesus because it was a great disruption to have. How has Jesus disrupted your life? When Jesus comes to town, he disrupts things because he has universal power and universal authority. So can you name right now, not to me out loud, but can you name two specific things in your life that Jesus has changed. That Jesus has told you, for example, that you're, I know I can't do this any longer this way. I've got to do it that way. If you can't identify anything, this isn't meant to be harsh or judgment. It's just meant to be fact to help us all evaluate. You, you simply don't know Jesus. Because there's no way to have Jesus in your life without a little bit of disruption. Because of who Jesus is. Now, half of that disruption is what? Really good. That disruption, the, the, the crazy person is really liking the disruption because what? They've been freed. That disruption is awesome. And the disruption that you and I hear today is this. You're forgiven. So today, when you come forward for communion, when you hear the word broken for you, when you hear the words shed for you, what I want you to hear today is this a disruption in your life. That disruption is Jesus saying, you're forgiven. You are not your disappointments. You are not your failures. You are not what you have left done. You are forgiven. You are treasured. You are loved. That's a good disruption. That's a really good disruption that God says to us, you are loved and treasured no matter what. But at the same time, there's another disruption. That disruption is the Lord Jesus saying, love your neighbor as yourself. That other disruption is Jesus saying, love your enemy as you love your neighbor. That disruption is Jesus saying, be kind as I've been kind to you. How has Jesus disrupted your life? The Jesus that's made known in the Bible is a disruptor. And thanks be to God, that he's a disruptor. Because if he wasn't a disruptor, he'd just be another magic man that was wandering around trying to do something special. But thanks be to God that he has the power to disrupt our lives and give us exactly what we need, the forgiveness of our sins. And now we need to say, Jesus, disrupt our whole lives. Show us your universal power and your authority. Jesus will not become a disruptor in your life until Jesus is personal in your life. 
This story overall is shocking and crazy. To me, the craziest part of the whole story is this. Jesus is willing to sacrifice ministry to a whole town for the sake of one. Jesus goes and he heals one. He cares for that person. He ministers to the one, even though he lost a whole town in the process. And you might say to yourself, well, it's Jesus. He, can, he probably did something afterwards to win the town back or something. We don't have evidence of that at all. Jesus could have easily went to town and done something that would have attracted everyone. But what does he do? He goes to the most vulnerable. He goes to the loneliest. He goes to the one that's avoided the most. And he ministers to the one. Do you know that you personally matter to God? That Jesus, this one with universal power and authority, what does he do? He goes to the individual. This universal power and authority is not a God far off, but it is a God near who ministers to individual people. Read the Bible and what you see is individuals coming and experiencing salvation from Jesus. Today, you, Frank, you, Francisca, you are loved by God. Jesus ministers to you personally. And until you say, Jesus is my personal king, there won't be any disruption from Jesus. But when you say, Jesus is my personal king, get ready. Disruption is coming. It's going to be great. And at the same time, it's going to get interesting at different times. How has Jesus disrupted your life? I pray you could answer that question this morning. And over the next week, you could identify some ways. Or you could say, Jesus, disrupt my life. This morning, if you're unable to say specific ways in which Jesus has disrupted your life, I want to invite you this morning to join me in a very simple prayer. Jesus, disrupt my life. Very simple. He hears us and he will disrupt your life. Let us pray. Jesus, disrupt my life. Amen.